Glad you're with us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of rip-offs, coming up later this hour, prescription drugs, man, you can get ripped off on them. They're so confusing to figure out the best deal. I want to give you some strategies plus new information when you're shopping for prescription drugs. And that, again, is later this hour. Clark.com, our main web address, and ClarkDeals.com, where you go for all the bargains. And there's a problem going on that I address very briefly on our show recently, and it's the fact that one in three people who've ordered something online have had packages stolen from their front door, from their driveway. Uh, They live in multifamily apartments or condos. The packages get stolen. It's a terrible, terrible problem in the package delivery business. And something I was not aware of at all that I read in a trade magazine that is for the apartment industry, is really for investors in real estate investment trusts, but it was that there's a new unexpected expense for apartment owners and condominium management that they get cascaded with packages every day. And in the Christmas season, overwhelmed with packages being delivered for either tenants or unit owners, and that it's driving up costs and complaints with packages that go missing, enormous amount of labor time spent on it. Well, Amazon has come up with a product for landlords that I read about on MarketWatch that allows landlords to have a mailroom basically run by Amazon. So what they do is they are going around signing contracts with the big apartment management companies, and they come in with something called the Amazon Hub, and they build this automated system that packages being delivered to that apartment complex, apartment building, or condominium go into this automated locker, and Amazon says no discrimination. They'll also handle packages from everybody else, which means Amazon knows who's buying from whom and all that. So who knows what privacy there is with that information. But the goal is to, for the apartments, all they care about is it eliminates the hassle for them. For you, what it does is it eliminates the theft problem that is so rampant with package delivery. And I guess everybody wins in this, but competitors of Amazon who they'll now know, well, so-and-so sure gets a lot of packages from Wayfair, gets a lot of packages from Walmart or whoever it is. And so this is an opportunity to help, (laughs) but it's the ultimate and enlightened self-interest because Amazon benefits as well. And so for you as a consumer, if you are, let's say, living in a condominium, ask your management if the packages have been a big problem at your condo, what about them offering Amazon Hub? 
is a way for you to be able to have a much more streamlined and safer way to receive those packages. Jared is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jared. How are you doing? I'm good, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Jared. So you are, are you a funeral director? Yes, sir. I am a licensed uh, funeral director. And you hear me talk a lot about your industry, and I understand you have some suggestions to improve the quality of the answers I give about the funeral industry. Sure. Uh, I guess I, I recently heard um, just the, 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 a, um, a talk or a conversation that you were having um, regarding the industry and um, definitely the industry has been um, uh, just maybe maybe uh, people some people just have a, a bad um, taste in their mouth for funeral directors and funeral homes and I think the reason is possibly because of the the emotions and everything that that folks are so wrapped up in and it's easy for folks to be taken advantage of and I understand that well you know I, I don't want to interrupt you I want you to continue but Sure. My objection to the industry has been the big players that have come up and bought up the family-owned funeral homes and have used these very sneaky, underhanded marketing and sales techniques to take advantage of people who are grieving and run the bill up. I, I, I have no problem with independent, family-run funeral homes. Sure, and that's where I came in. I came in as an independent to a... Uh, and bought out, bought from a very large corporation, um, and so uh, you know the the, the the funeral homes that I own at this point are you know all family run, and the people that you know unfortunately the people that are in this business do care deeply, but you're right, the big talking heads at the front are 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 pushing their product you know pushing. Uh, pushing the dollar up, like you like you like you mentioned in your um, in your comments. What suggestions do you have for people? You know, a lot of a lot of people don't want to deal with the fact that uh, they're going to die someday. It's too uncomfortable a conversation to have with family. So you have a grieving family coming in. You have no idea what the real family dynamics are either. Who who likes who? Who doesn't? Who loved who? <laughs> and what are your suggestions when? Let's say it's a brother or sister, a, a spouse, uh, a child who's having to deal with arrangements for a parent. How do they navigate this without ending up later feeling like they got fleeced? So, the 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 biggest thing, and I live in a, I live in a state where the regulations here are a little less than probably most states. Um, I, I'm in Alaska. I, I don't know if I told you that, but um, our geographical area that we we cover is um, it's 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 uh, thousands of miles, and so um, one of the things that people need to understand is that they do not or not required to do certain things, but there are certain things that are required. But other than that. Their funeral can be custom to anything, and it doesn't have to be a funeral either. So 
knowing that when you go in to sit down, you you pretty much can have any type of service that you want. And if it's and if it's not a service that you want, you can have that as well. You, you're not required to do anything um, other than maybe the things that are there for safety, for like it like embalming and um, for travel um, and and those things. But you do you can customize it your way. Your you do not have to fit into their uh, uh, their packages, if you will, that they're tra- that they may be pushing on you. All right, I got a question for you. Last question I wanted to ask: the chains try to pretend that the location you're going to is not one of the big international chains that have taken over so much of the industry by leaving a local name on the building and people think they're dealing with who they've dealt with in the past. How would I spot that as a potential customer that I'm dealing with those sharks instead of the local family owned funeral home? Probably by identifying some logos or some names. Um, Most of them, some of them are identified by logos or, or um, names that they have on the building. That's a great suggestion. I've seen that before, where they leave the old family name on a funeral home, and then in uh, there'll be a small logo on the signage, and that would be an automatic tip-off that they are one of the big chains that are looking to take advantage. I appreciate you calling, Jared. Any suggestions you have that can help people? I'd love it if you posted them on our message boards on Clark.com. Paul is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Paul. How are you doing? Hi. I am glad to be with you. Well, great, Paul. Uh, you are uh, dealing with a call from the IRS. What did the IRS tell you they wanted? Well, they had quite an intimidating voice saying they had been investigating my file and have been found wanting in that uh, there are several areas that I have been hiding and they need to be dealt with immediately. And here is a phone number that you must call or we will take the steps necessary. (laughs) And I hear in your voice, you know this is completely a scam. Well, not only because of your great communications to us, but just as an individual, I know that the IRS will never telephone us. That is right. They send these letters that would make you think there's no humans there that are so dry <laughs> and so uh, impersonal. And they're not mean at all. They're, they're, like, um, they're almost like, Somebody saying, well, we looked at your numbers and this and this, blah, blah, blah. I mean, and and so they're very, very non-threatening Correct. in their communication. And it will come as a letter to you, never by email, never by text, never by phone call. I really wanted to call the number that they gave me. But to be truthful, I was afraid that I would somehow... Uh, dial into something that was uh, like the old things that used to happen where you dial a number and you suddenly get a bill for hundreds of dollars and things like that. 
the uh, I, what was the, called the 809 scam at the time. Um, right. I'm not hearing about that much anymore. The real thing is that you would identify yourself as a potential mark. They'd have your number. They uh, they decide that you were a, a fresh target that they could go after repeatedly to try to intimidate you. And the most important thing is no one should ever, ever, ever return one of those phone calls, reply to a text, reply to an email. Where do we send it, Clark? Where do we send it to someone? You just did. You just did. I mean, you just told millions of people. And that's the real power that you have. You know, with these scams, the most important thing is for people to be informed. Because if you know how the games work, you avoid doing them. As far as reporting to any legal authority or anything like that, don't bother, don't worry. You've done your job already with what you've done by being here with me, sharing with your fellow listener. It makes you a member of Team Clark. Pam is with us here on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Pam. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. I'm fine. How are you? Great. Thank you. Pam, you are interested with all the data breaches and all the insecurities with everything going on with our personal stuff of a new way to protect your money. What are you thinking of? Well, I just wondered how safe and secure the different cell phone payment methods are, such as Apple Pay and many um, stores now have uh, a payment service in their app that you can use, and I'm just, it seems convenient, but I'm just concerned about the security of it. So, is best, I I read a lot on this, because I'm not smart enough to be able to tell you based on the, the, what's the behind the scenes, how these things work, but based on everything I've read, the Android Pay, Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, are safer methods less likely to be vulnerable than using a traditional credit or debit card at point of purchase. Now, as far as the apps that are available for restaurants, which have done that so heavily, and to a lesser extent retailers, there's so many of them proliferating. I don't know if they are, from the ground up, as safe a platform is you have with the the things from Samsung, Apple, and Google. So okay. I, I don't know for certain. Now, having said that, I use the payment platform at only one restaurant. I don't use it anywhere else, the one that, that is their own through their app. Uh-huh. Everywhere else, I use the app to get whatever discounts I can get at a restaurant or retailer, but I still pay separately. Okay. So so I just, this is an area that is so fast moving, and I can't tell you, I mean, nobody can tell you with 100% certainty that a payment platform is going to be completely secure, because we've seen no matter what, and no matter what people's assurances have been, that things have been vulnerable. But the, the traditional credit and debit card payment system is so antiquated that I think you do make a leap into more safety with the phone-based payment systems. 
Okay, that's good to know. I appreciate your help. I know you wanted a more definitive answer from me. You wanted it just to be, (laughs) yes, you should do this, or no, you shouldn't. (laughs) But you heard me being kind of mamby-pamby about it, right? (laughs) I had to be. I had to be because we just don't know. Joel, we have time for a quick Ask Clark. Yeah, Clark Jacklin says, I'd like some advice on legitimate work-from-home jobs. Oh, be careful in this area. We have done our best we could at Clark.com to come up with a list of legitimate work at home. Be be aware, though, none of them pay a lot of money, and the ones that advertise online, scary. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where we're about you learning ways to save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website And Clark.com slash ask is where you go to post a question for me. You also can talk with a member of our team. That's free and available 45 hours each week on Clark.com. Scroll down a little. You'll see the phone number and hours available each weekday for free off-the-air advice. So there's been a lot of talk recently about contracts that prohibit pharmacies from telling you, hey, there's a cheaper way to fill your prescription. I don't know if you know what's been going on, but the insurers that most people have to go to through an employer are playing really weird games with the prescription med business. And what a lot of people aren't aware of is that a huge number of generic prescriptions are actually cheaper at market price than the negotiated rate with your insurer or what your copay is. So let me give you an example from my own life. I filled a prescription the other day for $9.90. If I had used my insurance it would have been $25. And the pharmacist isn't allowed to tell me that I'm paying almost triple the price using my insurance, not using my insurance. So I found a shortcut to see what the best deal might be. And I've been using GoodRx.com. There are other discounters like this and with these discounters they in many cases have negotiated deals and they will potentially save you money even if you have insurance but especially if you don't have insurance so i saw on good rx that this prescription was available through them for $15 and change, and I knew my copay was 25 So I went in to fill it with the good RX code, and the pharmacy assistant said, well, actually, this one's only $9 if you just flat out just fill it. Don't use anybody's code. And it's because they pay a commission, I guess, to good RX for having sent business their way. So in that case, it was actually cheaper to just be anybody coming off the street. Other times, though, 
using any of these shopping apps can save you a lot of money. And uh, there, and again, as I said, GoodRx isn't the only one. There are a number of them that are free to use, and just because of group buying power, you get a lower price. One of our staffers discovered that a medicine that she's getting filled is one-third the price with one of the discount codes versus just walking in and filling it either with the pharmacy benefits plan she has or just being whoever walking in off the street. The pharmacy thing is getting amazingly complicated. And as I mentioned recently about comparison shopping on another prescription, the most expensive place that showed up on my search was $220, and the cheapest was mid-teens. I forget the amount exactly. But the price difference from one pharmacy to another can be enormous on any prescription you're filling. Some they'll be close together, but generally enormous, and will will not be one place that's really expensive on one might be really moderately priced or cheap on another. So there's no consistency, no pattern. In the pharmacy business, You've got a conundrum, because if you have a pharmacist who really knows you, knows what meds you take and all that, and you've been uh, going to that individual for a long time, there's a real value to the continuity of that relationship with that pharmacist. If you don't have that kind of thing going on, then price driving your decision can make a giant difference. But remember what I said when I started. Be very aware and wary that the insurance company or the pharmacy benefits manager, however it is you get your prescriptions, may not have your best interests at heart. And the pharmacist may be prohibited from telling you what I told you, that there's a cheaper price on the med you're getting. So you got to remember to ask the questions so that you get the answer. If you ask the question, they will tell you, but they are not allowed to volunteer the information that there's a cheaper way to fill the prescription unless you do ask. Priscilla's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Priscilla. Oh, hi, Clark. Thank you so much for taking my call. Absolutely, Priscilla. You're watching out for your teenage daughter. What's going on with her? My husband and I have always had our credit frozen, um, which has worked out terrifically, and I'm wondering if we should do it for her. She's 19. She is working and going to school. She has a credit card with just a $300 limit. She's good about not charging any more than $100 at a given time and paying that off right away. Um, But I'm wondering if we should freeze her credit to protect her identity. I think it's valuable right now to freeze credit because of how vulnerable we are two identity breaches and so for her you don't want her at 19 or 20 have somebody come along steal her identity and have to spend her entire decade of her 20s trying to clean up her name and reputation right when she's trying to start out so i look at it as a higher priority for a teenager or a 20 something to have his or her credit frozen because in your case you have a lifetime of a record you've built up. You've got your track record. 
So someone who's new in the workforce is much more vulnerable to having a really difficult time rebuilding reputation when they didn't have much to start with in terms of credit reputation. Okay, okay. Because my husband was looking at it more from the standpoint of they're not going to get much because she doesn't have the value as far as being able to borrow against it. But I was thinking more long-term is her identity. Exactly. And so, you know, from time to time, she'll have to spend money to thaw her file, because most states charge you to thaw, Mm -hmm. in order to do a new credit app, because, you know, in another year, it'd be good for her to get another card, because this is a Noah's Ark rule. You want two major credit cards as you build credit. And so she'll have to thaw then, and there'll be occasions she'll have to thaw, but having it in the deep freeze is really great. Okay, good, good. We'll go ahead and do that then. Thank you so much. Sure. And how is she doing working and being in college at the same time? Well, she's only in college part-time. She did go away for a year, and it didn't work out. So I said, you know, listen, come home, go to the community college until you can kind of figure out what your passion is. So that's kind of where she's at now. She's taking her classes and just trying to find her way and and working part-time and saving money. So I can't fault her. (laughs) Well, that's great because... I think for a, a lot of teenagers, there's a real advantage to doing the combination of college and work, and you'll find her maturing at a much faster rate, potentially, from doing that. Elizabeth's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you, Clark. Thanks for taking my query. Certainly. Um, I have received a letter from an insurance company offering coverage for the water lines between my house and the street for $4 a month. And um, my water lines were installed in 2001, and there are some some exclusions that I think uh, make it less valuable. For instance, they don't cover natural disasters, you know, which would be an earthquake or something. They don't cover frozen pipes. Um, it's really just <laughs> so they're eliminating a lot of the yeah. reasons that a pipe might burst. Do they also exclude polybutylene pipe? Uh, they don't mention the the material the pipe's made from, um, but they do seem to have the sponsorship of the water company. Exactly. Um, it sounds to me like extended warranties on appliances and cars. I, I just kind of wonder if it's worth it. It is not worth it. And, you know, a lot of, is your water municipal or is it a private water company? It's municipal. Yeah, I think this is so rotten that city and county governments are trying to take advantage of their customers, their taxpayers, and doing these commission deals where they give their database of customers to these outside vendors who sell these incredibly overpriced water protection plans. You're talking about $50 a year. And if you did have a water line break and it was a covered thing, you'd say, oh, I'm so glad I paid that $50 a year. But the odds are so low that you'll have a water line break that it's not well-spent money. Uh-huh, that's what I thought. I'm really glad to hear you say that reinforces my thinking. Well, and, you know, with anything in life, people are much more likely to look at buying coverage for 
an individual incident like their TV or their washer dryer or in this case your water line and much less likely to cover the big things in life like as I mentioned before how few people who buy extended warranties on TVs actually have life insurance so the big insurance you want the little teeny things for individual aspects of your life you never want so I'm glad you're not going to spend that money Elizabeth Joel how about and ask Clark here. Let's do a Clark. Carolyn has a question. She says, what websites are best for finding rental homes for a vacation? So when you're traveling somewhere, the market is dominated by Airbnb. And Airbnb dominates for a specific reason. People are not getting burned on Airbnb by having their money stolen in a con. And that has been a problem with other home rental services. Now, it doesn't mean that the quality of the property is going to be great. But in addition, the the oldest player in it is VRBO, more recent Home Away, and they're the same common ownership now. With either of those, make sure you pay in a way that is secure through their their portal and not pay direct to somebody, particularly by wire. You're likely going to get conned. Owen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Owen. How are you doing? Fine, Clark. Thank you. Owen, you are uh, interested in what's the best way to develop financial security in your life. Is that accurate? Oh, sure. Just like everybody is interested in that. (laughs) You'd be amazed how many people aren't thinking about that. (laughs) Yes, so... uh... You know, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm doing okay, and I was at the place in my life that uh, I have a big house. I'm, uh, I'm in it over the next year or so with a daughter who's finishing her college. But then after that, I certainly will have the choice to downsize if I want to. But I like living where I do, but the house is bigger um, than I would need. But again... You know, there's the, the big mortgage that goes with it. I can generally, in in general sense, I can afford it, but maybe I'm better off downsizing. And I was just wondering your thoughts about, um, you know, using the uh, the mortgage payment per se as an investment vehicle. I, I realize that, you know, it's not gaining the interest, at least uh, not in a financial sense. You know, there may be some. Uh, appreciation. There's, of course, the affordability issue. So I was just uh, wanted to get your general input in regards to that. So the thing with bigger houses, bigger than you need, is that over time they require more repairs, more maintenance, higher utilities, and depending on how taxes are set where you live on property, potentially more property tax. Sure. So I'm a, I'm a real fan if you don't mind relocating when your daughter does finish college that you do look at a simpler, more affordable place to go to because the money that you would not be paying towards that house every month is money that helps build you financial security for the rest of your life. Sure. But on the other hand... Um 
paying down the mortgage tends towards that same goal as well. That is true, but you're paying a mortgage on what could be a more expensive dwelling. Like, how much would you think you would be able to buy a smaller place for, and what would yours be worth today? Oh, current my current place is probably valued at about six hundred. Um, and you know the other factors that weigh in it for me, uh, I have a phenomenal view, which is easy to take every day. You know, because I'm retired, so I don't get up and leave the house every day. I've got room outside to store my, you know, toys. I live in Anchorage, but I have. You know, boat, camper, snow machines. So I have those things. So to downsize, uh, I could probably, you know, get something with uh, the necessary accoutrements for probably half, you know, 300 But All right, but let's and- talk about that. You just made a very clear case for why even though your place is bigger than you need and it's twice what it would cost you to be somewhere else, you love it. And if you yeah. can afford to love it, stay there. Yeah. I, and and that's, that's where I'm leaning, and I just wanted to get the, I guess, the Clark unbiased opinion. Well, okay, of, let's look at it this way, Owen. Not everything is about dollars and cents. Right. Even though there are times it sounds like listening to me, that's all I think about. It's not. And <laughs> right. so if you have the resources to afford the remainder of your retirement years, and it's just a question of do you put this much money into housing? If you can afford it, do it. On the other hand, if having money tied up in a $600,000 house means that eventually later in your life you may be pinched financially, that would be why you sell it and move to something half the cost. Yeah, and I, I think I will get to that point in maybe 10 years or so, but at this point I think I'm going to then you just enjoy that place, enjoy your view, and enjoy your toys, and somehow you enjoy winter. I've been to Alaska four times. It's too cold for me in May and September in Anchorage. This is the Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, We're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 